This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting Corporation and Supertalk Mississippi Media. Thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joe Ladensami, your co-host, joined by economist Natasha Serdorch, co-founder of International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable guests include leading voices from business, government, media, energy, technology, healthcare, and the broad policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Spotify. Visit America's Roundtable at americasrt.com. We invite donors and advertisers to reach us by visiting our website, americasrt.com. Welcome to America's Roundtable. It's Saturday morning, and this weekend on America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., we are truly honored to welcome a principal voice of reason, a leader dedicated to liberty and reforms within government structures, Tom Garrett. Tom Garrett has lived a life in service to the great citizens of Central Virginia and the United States of America. In 2016, Tom was elected to represent Virginia's 5th Congressional District in the United States House of Representatives and served on the Foreign Affairs Committee, Homeland Security Committee, Education and Workforce Committee. After graduating from the University of Richmond, Tom Garrett became an artillery officer in the United States Army, achieving the rank of captain. Tom led soldiers overseas, most notably while deployed in Bosnia. After returning to the States, Tom earned his JD from the University of Richmond and quickly became an assistant attorney general for Virginia. Today, Tom is taking his years of experience back to the Virginia House of Delegates after he won the seat in November 2023 and is serving citizens in the 56th district. In addition to continuing his work as a defense attorney, Tom has served as a consultant and most recently co-founder for firms working in global global energy development and without any further delay welcome tom it's great to have you back on america's round table welcome tom Joel and Natasha, it's, it's an honor to be with you guys. Uh, Tom, as a Virginia delegate, you support lowering the tax burden and opposing wasteful and necessary government spending. And as the U.S. congressman, you oppose the practice of funding the government through continuing resolutions. You said that it would take a while to abolish unnecessary government programs that are embedded in the federal budget. And it's imperative to get spending under control. Uh, last month, the U.S. national debt topped a new record high of $34 trillion. Every day, we are paying over $2 billion in interest just to service our debt. Tom, this level of debt presents a threat to economy and national security. What is your advice to Congress and American people how to go about reducing government spending? So if you take two billion dollars times 365 were over seven tenths of a trillion dollars in debt service that's that's just the money we pay to pay the uh, interest on the money we borrow and i say that just to put this in perspective and so i think in order to get this under control we need to this is generational we need to teach our children about foundational values and specifically enumerated powers, the responsibilities of government at each level. What is the role of local government, state government, the federal government? I've been blessed to work in all three as a prosecutor at local government in the state house in Virginia, as well as in Congress. And there are a lot of things, Natasha, that are good ideas that are not good ideas at a particular level of government because it's beyond 
the responsibility of that level of government or that level of government can't officially administer it. The federal government's the worst example of this. But the reason I started out by pointing out that depending on interest rates, we could be north of a trillion dollars annually just servicing interest on our debt. That's unsustainable unless uh, you print money hand over fist, at which point it becomes sustainable because the value of the debt drops based on the inherent inflation, right? Mm. So you have to teach the children what the roles of government at each level are. Then you have to elect people who understand what Alexis de Tocqueville said, which is, I will paraphrase, that the American democracy will prosper until the voters learn to vote themselves largesse at the government troughs, again, paraphrasing, right? And that's tough. That's two things. Reform the educational system and then get people with integrity into elected office who will keep their word. And then you might be able to turn the ship around. But what I would suggest by virtue of the fact that we know with this irresponsible runaway money printing is that the people who are pushing up the debt don't have any problem with it because they know they can devalue the debt by printing more money. Now, Joe and Natasha, let's boil this down. Who suffers? The people that suffer under a policy like that are the most vulnerable among us who one political party purports to care about, but their actions and their words don't match up. They've created a system wherein intention is the standard by which actions are measured rather than, rather than outcomes. When you have runaway inflation, then people on fixed incomes, particularly seniors, uh, young people who are trying to get a foothold into the workplace and maybe buy a home and maybe start a family. These are the people who suffer the absolute most. And I think it's baked in. I think that anyone who, who supports this runaway spending, who has a scintilla of common sense, knows that we're going to get inflation. And, and, and they don't care about the impact thereof because if they just print more money, then the real value of the debt decreases. And that's scary. It's really frightening. It's no way to run a country. It always ends poorly usually in a Latin American or developing nation, not in the United States, but we keep going at this rate and uh, we'll find out that gravity is not just a good idea, it's the law. Tom, rather than pontificating about wars in foreign lands, you have faithfully served our nation as an officer in the United States Army in very difficult places, including your engagement in Bosnia. Being part of the U.S. force bringing peace and stability to the volatile Balkan region on a civilizational fault line. You've also been to war-torn Syria and Ukraine right after the Russians invaded that sovereign state. And as we reflect on these past three years since Biden took office, we witness regional conflicts flaring on the European continent. Iran-backed proxies such as Hamas, which carried out the October 7 massacre in Israel, killing 1,200 individuals and wounding some 5,000 civilians with 100 Jews and Americans still held hostage in Gaza. And now we have Iran-backed Houthis firing at U.S. Navy vessels, some which left the shores of the Commonwealth of Virginia. And we certainly mourn the deaths of three U.S. soldiers and pray for their loved ones, and we pray for the recovery of 40 other U.S. service members who were injured in Jordan. Tom, today, the Biden administration is pressuring Israel to agree upon a ceasefire and hampering the Jewish state's ability to destroy the Hamas terror network. It also appears that during this election season, the Biden campaign is appealing to Arab communities in the U.S., specifically in Michigan, which are demanding a ceasefire. Tom, 
Firstly, what is your message to Israel's leaders and citizens who are still facing danger with Hamas threats from Gaza and from within Judea and Samaria, known as the West Bank, and face some 150,000 missiles from southern Lebanon being controlled by Iran-backed Hezbollah? And is Biden taking the road of political expediency and putting Israel at even greater risk now? Uh, the answer to your second question is clearly, um, I think President Biden is trying to straddle this issue and he won't be able to do so successfully. There is such moral clarity here on who is in the right. Uh, you can criticize from afar how Israel conducts operations that are conducted specifically because of an incursion into Israeli territory that resulted in sort of serialized rape and sexual abuse. I've read tales that have not been refuted of babies being placed into ovens, etc. Mm. I have a difficult time grasping how conveniently people forget the precursor action for the current engagement. There was, in fact, a ceasefire in Gaza. I uh, believe it lasted from last May through last October. Um, it wasn't violated by Israel. Um, my counsel to Israel, to the extent that they would ever take counsel from somebody such as myself, because they certainly have great and competent leaders, is, and I don't know if this is an original one, but it's easier to vanquish the egg than the dragon. Um, and so regardless of what course the world community chooses to take, um, Israel's threat is very real and existential. Um, and so I certainly pray and believe that they do take into consideration all humanitarian needs that they are able to, uh, but they did not start this conflict. And so, as you have seen criticism of the United States for dropping atomic weapons in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, uh, I would point out that we didn't start that war and that we saved innumerable lives by doing so. It happens to have taken about 30 years to start hearing that criticism of the U.S. Israel didn't start this war. They haven't done anything that paralleled on scale the actions that the U.S. took, and I would argue that they have commensurately saved lives, not just Israeli lives, not just Jewish lives, but in the long term, if they can create some circumstance that leads to a sustainable peace, they will have saved lives throughout the region to include Palestinian lives. Absolutely, Tom. We concur with what you just shared. And isn't it interesting that as we heard Saudi Arabia getting closer to making a deal, to closing a deal with Israel and the Abram Accords being expanded, that's exactly the timing that Iran-backed Hamas attacked Israel. So you are right about it, where there is opportunities for the advancement of peace, of, of, of trade, of bringing people to together, uh, evil certainly uh, rears its ugly head. And this time, you know, Iran certainly uh, was involved in this, as you've mentioned, oh, this gosh, uh, yes. really terrible acts of violence against individual citizens. So the IRGC, the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps, is the single uh, most responsible entity, single entity on the planet for, for bloodshed, mayhem, loss of life and tragedy. It, 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 so much evil flows forth from that root. Truly, the best thing that's happened in the fight against the IRGC in the last decade was Donald Trump taking out Kasim al-Sulamani, and all he was was criticized by people like Joe Biden, who said that it would lead to more violence and bloodshed. What it led to was the IRGC ducking and covering for about 18 months to two years. So, yeah, the IRGC and the Iranians are horrific in this region. They, they seek strife 
for what reasons we could debate in a theological context. And Tom, and since Joe Biden became president, we have endured failed Biden administration's foreign policies, starting with chaotic withdrawal from Afghanistan, where 13 American service members were killed and 15 wounded. Over $7 billion in U.S.-funded military equipment ended up in the hands of Taliban. Then Russia's Putin invaded Ukraine. China escalated its threats towards Taiwan. NATO member Turkey established an alliance with Russia. And we gave money to Iran, which funds terrorist groups, Hamas, Hezbollah, and Houthis, to attack Israel and our men and women in uniform in the Middle East. There's also disruption of the world's trade. Uh, Tom, how do we restore America's leadership and the policy of peace through strength, as practiced by President Ronald Reagan and most recently, as you also mentioned, President Donald Trump? Well, I will add one, Natasha, and you did a very comprehensive list, but Turkey and, and Iran have just recently announced record economic cooperation and, wow. and, and a cross flow of technology, which will hasten the development of Iranian drones because the Turks, uh, alongside the Israelis, are at the cutting edge of that technology. So your, your child's going to continue to raid the cookie jar until you tell them that they can't. Mm. And that, that is not an oversimplification here. Uh, with and Turkey is the easiest example for me. I have long decried sort of the evil that is embodied by Erdogan and Erdogan and, and how we turn a blind eye. I mean, a decade ago, and I might have my ears off, th there was a riot outside the Insurlik Air Base where we very unclassified store nuclear weapons and they shut off the water to the air base and, and, and or the power to the air base. And we were having trouble cooling the weapons and the airmen inside were essentially hostage for a period of time. And we didn't do a thing that was under President Obama. And, you know, Erdogan's famous quote on democracy is democracy is like a tram. You take it to the station you want and then you get off. Mm. So I'm not sure what they have by way of free and fair elections in Turkey, but we've let them be the throttle on who gets into NATO with regard to Sweden and Finland. We just keep saying yes. And then we wonder why all the Oreos are gone. Right. So it's the same with Iran. I don't you cannot pacify a grizzly bear. I think it was Churchill who said uh, that, you, you know, pacification or, 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 or I'm losing the quote is feeding the crocodile and hoping he eats you last. And that seems to be the Biden administration's foreign policy or they actually want it to be horribly wrong. I mean, it is so bad that you wonder whether or not they're doing it on purpose. Right. And as you mentioned, Turkey, I mean, I remember uh, the original NATO charter uh, actually had a provision, a requirement that NATO member countries can only be the rule of law countries. And, you know, I, I just don't understand why uh, Turkey was accepted in the first place. I mean, we do have most favored nations to work with as allies to NATO. Maybe that would be a better fit for Turkey, but not as, a, as the rule of law country. Turkey was allowed in the NATO to begin with because of the Bosphorus. So the Russians didn't have Black Sea or warm water access into the Mediterranean without getting through the Bosphorus or Gibraltar. And, and so we wanted to maintain control of the Mediterranean. We needed Turkey to do it because they could throttle the Russian Black Sea, the Soviet Black Sea fleet. We turned a blind eye on a horrific, horrific persecution, not only of the Kurds, who are at the top of the list of people who have been done poorly by the Turks over the last hundred years, but also of Armenian Christian minorities, other minorities inside of Turkey. We turned a blind eye because, by golly, we didn't want that Soviet Navy squirting out into the into the Mediterranean. We've essentially given the Russian Navy a, a Mediterranean naval base in Syria, um, or at least done nothing to stop it. 
Um, I, and so the reason for being in the Soviet Union is gone. And frankly, I would argue that even the current Russian aggression in Ukraine only serves to illustrate just how feckless and weak they are. Um, so why Turkey's still in NATO is what I don't get. I get why they're there. Mm-hmm. Now, if we kicked them out of NATO, there'd be an immediate hue and cry that it was anti-Muslim. Um, you know, I have a lot of Muslim friends and what Erdogan is doing to the Kurds is anti-Muslim in and of itself. And right. that's very important right. that you raise these issues because a great many of Americans are really not really aware of what's really going in that part of the world and not just only the uh, complexities that we are seeing, but also how weak American leadership is making things worse there. Yeah, well, I mean, again, if, if you don't tell your child to stop raiding the cookie jar, the cookie jar is going to get raided. And we wonder why it continues to happen. You, you have to act to stop bad acts. And we refuse to do that. When you act, there will be consequences. But, you know, as I said earlier, it's easier to slay the egg than slay the dragon. We let these things snowball out of control. We could have taken care of the Iranian nuclear program a decade ago. Mm. And people would have hand wrung and thrown a fit. And there'd be no Iranian nuclear program. But instead, we, we live in a world where the Iranians could put operational nuclear. And I don't want to get into briefings that I can't discuss could put operational nuclear weapons into the field in a short period of time. Now, that's our fault. Mm -hmm. If they use them on Israel or us, or they give them to a third-party actor to do so, then the cost that we would have paid by acting decisively 10 years ago will seem awfully low in comparison. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Tom, uh, this past week in Washington, D.C., parents were holding pictures of their children who were sexually exploited and died of suicide at the Senate Judiciary Committee hearing. Senators were addressing child sexual exploitation and child sexual abuse material with testimonies from the CEOs of social media companies, Discord, Meta, formerly known as Facebook, Snap, TikTok, and X, formerly known as Twitter. And during the hearing, Senator Lindsey Graham told the social media executives, and I quote, you have blood on your hands, unquote. According to investigations by the Wall Street Journal and researchers at Stanford University and the University of Massachusetts Amherst, Instagram, the popular social media site owned by Meta, helps connect and promote a vast network of accounts openly devoted to the commission and purchase of underage sex content. They have shown that Instagram's algorithms connect a vast network of pedophiles. Tom, why has it been so difficult to stop child sexual exploitation online? So we have normalized the sexualization of children. We continue to every day. I'm no longer in Washington. I'm in Richmond at the state house. But there's a debate afoot over what sort of material is, is suitable to be in our schools. And it's not just uh, well, what sort of debate material is suitable to be in 12th grade. It's what sort of material is suitable to be in our schools. And if parents will take the time to look at the explicit nature of the of the material that normalizes heretofore sort of deviant behavior, which is demonstrably unhealthy for individuals. I, I heard testimony the other day from an advocate for the transgender community that we need to do more for transgender kids because 43% of them are contemplating suicide. That's from their side. Now, I think you get to a chicken or egg question here. We, we, we normalize the sexualization of children. We normalize behaviors that are statistically detrimental to good outcomes and on the health side, right? I am a libertarian at heart as it relates to the freedom of adults to make decisions, both good and bad. 
But we have a duty to protect our children because our children scientifically and biologically are incapable of protecting themselves. So when you normalize these things, you create more demand because that that impulse that this predator had previously perhaps and thought, oh, my gosh, that's horrible. He has a community of people saying, oh, no, that's okay, That's normal. And so then the, the desire to pursue money rather than the best interest of humanity drives these platforms like Instagram to fill market niches that, again, I would submit are, 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 are generated by the worst of, of parts of us and the worst among us. And, and that's, you know, if you want corn in a field, plant corn. Uh, if you want weeds, sow, sow weeds, and we are sowing weeds, and we shouldn't be surprised when we reap this horrific and, 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 and unusable harvest. So what's the cliche? We've met the enemy and they are us. We, we need to demand that, that we hold ourselves to a standard of decency with which we treat other human beings as we want to be treated. And we understand that children are properly protected by adults in the civilized world. Right. And Tom, on the important issues that you are undertaking in the Commonwealth of Virginia as a member of the House of Delegates, what are your key priorities? What are the challenges uh, that you see and also the opportunities to advance principal solutions? Well, I, you know, I'm supporting legislation like the Born Alive uh, bill that Nick Freitas had that was killed on a party line vote last night. If you get bored, you should go and look at some of these committee hearings, all the videos archived online. And, and, and the argument essentially is if the child is born alive, you have a duty to render some standard of medical care, at least alleviate pain and suffering, but more preferably to sustain life. And you have people standing up saying, you let it die. Hmm. I don't even understand how with a straight face. And then they say, let it die, because if you don't let it die, you don't care about women's reproductive rights. That baby is born and it's alive. And so somehow to let it die is a stand in favor of women's. We, we live in an upside down world and the partisanship in Richmond is almost as bad as it was in Washington. I had a bill built on a party line vote wherein we would have changed the word fax, F-A-X, to the word email. Welcome to the 21st century. But I think I had angered the Democrats earlier that day. So, And the bill was carried because the schools and the police departments had requested we carry it because the law says if a teacher's arrested that they had to notify the school via fax within X number of days. And the school said, we don't want these arrest reports laying in the open room on our fax machine. And my sheriff's office said, fax machine, we don't have a fax machine. But the Democrats killed that bill, so we can't comply with our own law because, hey, it was a Republican bill. <laughs> the bill that's been most disappointing, it really shows where we are, is I had a bill um, that would have required a label on cell-cultured edible products, that's lab-grown, air quotes, fake meat, that is where they take protein, fat, and connective tissues from one animal. They throw them in a lab. They've put three times uh, the antibiotics and um, chemicals on them to keep them alive because nature tends to kill that, which is unnatural. They grow this meat, and then they 3D print what they call steaks and pork chops and chicken and fish. And they're doing 100 tons of this out of the Netherlands right now a month. Uh, it's, it is, there's no rule in Virginia that it'd be labeled like this product may contain peanuts, this product may contain shellfish. There's no duty to disclose whether it's in your child's school lunch. There's no duty to disclose whether it's being sold to you in a menu at a restaurant, whether it's being sold to you in a supermarket. And I would, and my argument was, look, if you keep kosher, if you try to keep halal, 
if you purport to be a vegetarian or a vegan, um, if you're like me and you just don't want to put something grown in a lab that they lie to you and call meat in your mouth, if you have alpha-gal, which is the most rapidly emerging tick-borne illness in the United States, this could kill you. Um, and the Democrats on the party line, they said the Farm Bureau, the Virginia Agribusiness Council, the Cattlemen's Association, the, the, the Poultry Association, the Pork Purdue, everyone lined up in support of just putting a label on this stuff. And then a lobbyist from a group called the Good Food Institute, whose website says they're reimagining protein and working for protein justice. You can't make this stuff up. One opposition voice from a sort of a pseudo Soros fund. It's not Soros. It's another one of the Bond villains funded organization that's going to create cell cultured proteins, which are way worse for the planet than a cow in a pasture and shut down our Virginia farms. One voice stood up and every Democrat on the committee sided with the cell cultured edible product lobby against Virginia Farm Bureau and the Agribusiness Council, against informing you what's in your kids' lunches. And I was flabbergasted. First of all, I didn't know that fake meat had lobbyists. And by the way, the guy who spoke wasn't registered in Virginia, nor was his organization. So they broke Virginia law. But the responsible entity to prosecute would be the city of Richmond Commonwealth Attorney's Office. And I can assure you that that operation is not prosecuting anyone who aligns with Democrat values. So we compound our problems here. But I, I couldn't believe it. I, you know, Farm Bureau is historically one of the biggest lobbying voices in Virginia. And they just got beaten by the Good Food Institute, which, like so many other liberal entities, is the exact opposite of what it purports to be. Mm. And that's the world we live in. Right. Um, Tom, you know, we're looking at competition among states, and that's a unique experiment, actually, in America, that states can have different policies, and there's that leads to experiments in, in various public policies. And, for example, uh, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration uh, just authorized the state of Florida to import drugs from Canada in a move designed to drive down the cost that Florida citizens paid for medicine. And in addition to Florida, which submitted its application in 2020, numerous other states have also submitted similar requests to the FDA. Has Virginia done so? I do not. I've been back in Virginia government officially for about three weeks. I don't think we have. There's been discussion of it. I would like to sort of snowball with your question very briefly. That competition among states drives population shifts. We can sort of take as a scoreboard whose ideas are working better by where people are moving from and where they're moving to. And there's an article in the Virginia uh, in Cardinal News by Dwayne Yancey recently about flight from places like Northern Virginia, Arlington, Alexandria, Fairfax to places like rural Virginia, which again is the same thing. I mean, but you can talk about competition among states. I love the Florida idea. It's something certain Virginia should look into. But it works inside of states, too. We know who's got better policy. We just hope the people that move to get to the better policy don't try to implement the policy that they're fleeing from. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Tom Garrett, we truly appreciate you joining us on America's Roundtable, taking time out of your busy schedule. Tom Garrett has served our nation faithfully in so many different key fields. He served Virginia's 5th Congressional District in the United States House of Representatives and is currently serving in the House of Delegates in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Tom, we truly appreciate your continued leadership in advancing principal solutions and standing up for freedom. 
Thank you so much, Tom. We wish you all the best in your new role as a delegate in Virginia. God bless you guys. My new role is the same as my own role. I'm just an American. God, I love you all. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you so much. This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting Corporation and Supertalk Mississippi Media. Thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joe Ladinsami, your co-host, joined by economist Natasha Serdorch, co-founder of International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable guests include leading voices from business, government, media, energy, technology, healthcare, and the broad policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Spotify. Visit America's Roundtable at americasrt.com. americasrt.com. Follow us on Facebook, America's Roundtable, and Twitter at America's RT. We invite donors and advertisers to reach us by visiting our website, americasrt.com. Thank you.